0: Our first reading this morning is from the first letter of Timothy. We start at verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The gospel reading is taken from Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 to 10. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
2: Father, thank you that we can sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever we can love you and forever we can stand. And nothing compares to the promises we have in you. Father, I pray that all else would fall away, and as I speak, we would grow closer to you and know more of you, in Jesus name. Amen. So the shepherd goes out to look for one sheep. And the woman goes out to look for her what was lost sorry, one lost coin. What on earth? has that got to do with our urban Southcote? Not that many sheep to be found in Coronation Square. So perhaps a more contemporary take would be, I've got 90 grams of rice here. That represents the number of people on the electoral roll at St Matthews. So I'll put that just down there. And over here... I've got one bag of rice, and another bag of rice, and another bag of rice. That represents the number of people in our parish at the last census. So that kind of brings it home to you, doesn't it, the figures? Jesus is saying in the Luke passage that the shepherd would leave his flock and go and find the last one now i haven't counted how many grains of rice there are in those 15 kilos but i would imagine there's quite a few so why would jesus suggest that we go out and find our lost parishioners why um sorry People who don't yet understand how much love and grace God has for those that he describes as lost. The fantastic news is that Paul supplies us in the Timothy passage with a lovely answer. I love Paul. He's so difficult to get a grip on, isn't he? But when you do, it's always worth it. This passage in 1 Timothy is a glorious, grateful, warm outburst by Paul it looks like his heart is filled to overflowing with love, grace and gratitude for what God has done. Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a pastor. He thinks his time is nearly up and so he wants to pass on as much as he can and infuse and teach Timothy about faith and about leadership. In verse 12 in the Message Bible... It it translates it as, God has gone out on a limb for me. That's such a wonderful description. God has not called a fully trained expert and sent them to college for years to learn how to bring people to faith. He's taken a risk on Paul. Let's not forget Paul's history. It was him holding the cloaks as Stephen was stoned to death in Acts 7. Later, in Acts 9, Jesus says to Paul, who was then known as Saul, Why are you persecuting me? If you were recruiting people to show others the way to faith, I suggest that Paul would not have been high on the list of people to phone. And yet God took a chance. He went out on a limb. (coughs) Excuse me, with Paul. What God did was show mercy and grace in amazing measure, we're told in verse 13. And he did that to the man who was persecuting the early church. It doesn't make any sense at all, but that's what happened. And Paul is, as a result, overflowing with grace and mercy for others. This was the astounding fact to Paul, that such a sinner as him had received such mercy. You may feel that your past isn't something you want to acknowledge, that you had done things that couldn't be forgiven. But Paul is clearly saying here that no one, not even someone who participated in killing Christians, is beyond God's mercy and grace. And this mercy and grace is not given out in small quantities. In verse 14, we're told it's poured out abundantly. Again, I love the message's translation. Grace mixed with faith and love poured over me and into me. This is exuberant, extravagant, generous grace. This is grace that is beyond our understanding. And it is there for me and for you as well. Whatever we've done in our past and it's available because of Jesus. As we go into verse 15, the phrase, here is a trustworthy saying, is used to mark a key pronouncement that Paul wants to be noticed and remembered. We're taken to the heart of the good news that there is salvation for sinners, even the worst. This is grace that is beyond our understanding. And it is there for all of us, whether we've, whatever we've done in our past. As verse 16 says, In the face of the utmost provocation that a human could offer, God has responded with nothing but kindness and understanding. And grace has prevailed and changed God's love forever. Instead of the judgment that he and we so richly deserve... All who believe in Jesus can look forward to eternal life. This was what gave the early church its life and vigour and what made Paul a man with such passion to reach those who didn't know Jesus that he would risk imprisonment, beatings and death in order to tell them. And not only has Christ saved Paul, he's given him a new direction for his misguided zeal. Amazing, this would-be destroyer of the church has been judged faithful and appointed to Christ's service, as he says in verse 12. And with the strengthening that Christ has given, he's been able to share his experience of God's grace with countless others who, if less spectacular in their wrongdoing and no less in need of the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You could hardly have a more convincing testimony to God's love and power than this poacher turned gamekeeper. I did once know a very troubled teenager and someone for whom the whole school experience felt like a straitjacket. She was quite a rebel, frequently in trouble, and she spent a considerable amount of time sitting outside and inside the headmistress's office. She found keeping to the rules just too difficult. The headmistress was a lovely Christian woman, although I have to tell you our teenager would not have agreed with that. And without fail, the head would end their often fraught and difficult meetings with a prayer. Our teenager thought this was a particularly silly thing to do, and to her shame, often made fun of her, and was fairly unpleasant about her head's faith. Miss Tucker, who was the head, responded to this anger and often difficult behaviour with kindness and compassion, and our teenager met with nothing but grace from her. In subsequent years, she met one of her partners in crime. They'd both become Christians, and both attributed it to that wonderful woman of prayer. And if you wonder what happened to our teenager, she's now standing in front of you, complete with a dog collar. It's been quite a journey, and like Paul, I'm truly thankful to Christ Jesus for God's grace. One of Paul's quirks, which is wonderful in his tendency, sorry, is his tendency, to break off into a shout of praise. Here in verse 17, he can't contain his excitement as he recalls how how good God has been to him and the sheer wonder of the gospel of salvation. God is beyond all human measure, incomparable and unfathomable. The right response to this is not intellectual analysis, but praise. Verse 16 is an example of what God can do with a life offered to him. Last year, I did a placement in Aylesbury Young Offenders Prison. It was the most amazing experience of my life. The orientation day had got both myself and a fellow student really scared. We were told all sorts of horror stories. And both of us wondered why we'd ever thought going to Aylesbury Prison might be a good placement. It's a horrible, dark, dismal Victorian building. There's very little natural light. And it's a violent place. Any young offender that causes trouble in any other institution is sent to Aylesbury. There were young men in there who were truly lost. They'd lost their family. They'd lost their friends. They'd certainly lost their freedom. And some of them looked like they'd lost all their hope. When you looked into their eyes, sometimes it was just blank. There was just nothing there. As we approached that first morning, I really laid down the gauntlet in prayer. I said to God, Well, If the gospel isn't going to reach people in there, we simply don't have a gospel. It's there for those that are lost. It needs to work. Not a prayer I would advise anyone else to pray, but there it is. I found, you'll be glad to know, that the gospel reached in there in the most amazing ways. I was privileged to share several services with the young offenders And I caught myself in one service, actually thinking, this must be just what heaven is like. There were young offenders, really very violent, difficult men that you you would not want to meet on the street. Certainly, you wouldn't want them in your home. And yet, there they were, bursting with spontaneous singing and praying, and they were dancing, and it, it was just... The most incredible service, and, and as I say, I just thought this has got to be a, a foretaste of heaven. It was it was absolutely wonderful. All of which brings us neatly back to the Luke passage and our bags of rice. What can we do about all the people in our parish who don't know what amazing grace and mercy is available? Paul couldn't help himself. He wanted to tell others. It was so powerful in him that he simply couldn't help it. We're not all like that, but perhaps as we come up for communion, in gratitude for what Christ has done for us, we could ask what it is we could do, what it is that we could say to people, and perhaps who it is we could invite to something or speak to. We could be praying that we would be so full of God's mercy, love and grace that we simply can't help but let people know about Christ. Amen.